The President of the United States now confirming to the world that he and the First Lady of the United States have both tested positive for the coronavirus and they will quarantine. There you go. The President of the United States uh, tweeted out last night that he has COVID. Um, they're saying no symptoms, all, uh, although they wouldn't tell us even if he was sick, and they shouldn't. Um, uh, we got a text from somebody. Why did they even tell us he has COVID? I think that you might not in, uh, if it weren't uh, election time. Right. I think you might not because you could just have him, especially for several days until you figure things out. But he he was going to be he had a big giant rally plan for today that well, he obviously if he has to cancel a dozen rallies in the next week and a half. Yeah, you, you what are you getting? Yeah, yeah. you do more harm than good in having other countries wonder what the hell's going on there. Yeah, but so they announced he's got COVID. Um, he was flying on the plane with everybody that matters in his inner circle, unmasked, talking to each other. Uh, the story out today is they've pretty much all taken tests and tested negative, but again. I don't know why they need to tell us that, even if that's not true. Why would you announce to China that, uh, oh, hey, your main rival, the president, and all of his inner circle are sick? Mm. With your virus. With your China virus. Your bat flu. Right. Well, I got an interesting thing about um, how the military may have reacted to that last night mm. when that news came out, or ahead of that news coming out. So we'll get to that in a little bit. There, Yeah, there are uh, standard operating procedures for this sort of thing. Yeah, I can't wait to hear that. Um, all the other issues continue to happen, though. The uh, Tucker Carlson got on the subject of white supremacy last night. If you've been watching the news, you know that many of America's most prominent journalists spent the day on the hunt for white supremacists in our midst. They seem highly agitated about that. Why are they so worried? Oh, come on, you know. White supremacist mobs burned our country down. They spent the summer torching buildings and shooting people in Minneapolis, Kenosha, Portland, Seattle, many other places across the land. It was the worst domestic terrorism in this country in more than 50 years, and white supremacists did it. We'd better find them. Check under the bed. That's what I was talking about yesterday. Joe explained in a way that I haven't heard anywhere else on why white supremacists continue to be at the top of the list for the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security. Right. Just briefly stated, they have a great deal of potential energy. They don't really do much ever, but a lot of them are well armed and and say stuff that would cause concern to law enforcement. So on the other hand, there's a great deal of uh, kinetic energy on the left, actually burning down cities, looting, beating people down, et cetera. Yeah. So that makes sense to me. If the FBI has good reason to believe, and I'm I'm sure they do, Department of Homeland Security, that there are a whole bunch of people out there that if they if they activated, they got lots of weapons and know how to make bombs and all kinds of stuff and are willing to do that sort of thing. So that is well, they 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 seem like they are, but they almost never do. And uh, and that would be, you know, obviously a huge deal. And by the way, let me save you writing your outraged emails. I'm well aware of, of Oklahoma City, of, uh, you know, the, the, the Charlottesville stuff, okay? I'm well aware of it. But compared to the frequency with which our cities have burned recently, come on. Yeah, so... And they're it, both bad, obviously. Is it possible that we can say, okay, potentially, okay, that's why it's at top of your list. I get mm-hmm. that. So we're going to pretend that the cities aren't being smashed up all over the country? And that you're sitting at a restaurant and you're forced to your knees to uh, to to pledge your allegiance to some group. They've got Black Lives Matter or Antifa on their shirts, on their bandanas. They're announcing who they are. They chant it in the streets. It's not a secret. And they're smashing up cop cars and trying to burn down buildings. They are burning down buildings. Mm-hmm. Defending looting. How, how, how they're could, defenders in Black Lives Matter saying looting is appropriate. 
And you can get away with saying that's uh, uh, white supremacy is the biggest threat and then just leave yeah. it at that in a debate. And then that's just we just move on. Right. That's yeah, exactly. it's insane. Even the Washington Post, for the love of all that is holy, had a, a, an article the other day that was little discussed. People just kind of shuffled their feet and looked down. Researchers found the growing use of memes, a worry, I'm sorry, I should explain, violent memes and messages supporting uh, violence are surging on far-left social media, a new report uh, finds. Um, researchers found growing use of memes, a worrying sign, argue the spread of dehumanizing rhetoric on the left could set the stage for more serious incidents by what the report called network-enabled mobs. So, Wow, the assassination of cops, for instance. So the other night, Chris Wallace leads with talking to Trump. The FBI says the greatest threat is domestic terrorism from right-wingers. Are you here to declare? Doesn't lead with the fact what everybody's seeing on TV every single night. Right. Cities on fire, cops being attacked, people being attacked, regular citizens walking down the street, eating in a restaurant, being attacked. Nothing. How is that even possible? I know. Well, he sees the world through the uh, lens of, A, the mainstream media, and B, the Washington elite. What should have been a conversation about what's happening in the street of your town ended up being a theoretical conversation about white supremacists. Just seems really detached from your evening newscast. That's exactly what it is. Anyway, uh, this is a troubling poll. A growing openness to political violence in this country. How much do you feel it is justified for your party to use violence in advancing political goals has gone from, and what's interesting about this is that red and blue Republicans and Democrats track almost exactly side by side. They're even compl- either completely even or within the margin of error, so you can't blame either side for this. Mm-hmm. How much do you feel is justified for your party to use violence for political reasons? A couple of years ago, it was 8% for both parties. Right. Since 2017, the fringe. from 2017, it's gone from 8% to a third Wow, of Republicans and Democrats that believe it's at least somewhat okay. Anything over um, a little, because you could answer never, a little, a moderate amount, a lot, or a great deal. So, so these might be a little, but it was, it was never for 92% just a couple of years ago. Now it's a third who say a little or more. That's a major change so in attitude. The never has gone from 92 to 66-ish? Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty major change in uh, a couple of years on people's attitudes. Because I was a never and am still a never. Um, but there's a, there's a growing chunk. Where will that be a year from now? How long will it take to get to 50% of people who say, yeah, okay, you know, you attacked somebody. You killed somebody, you shot somebody, whatever. You need to do it. Yeah, they were an evildoer. you got to break some eggs. So this study that the WAPO was writing about, to my shock, uh, drew particular attention to the use, the growing use of slogans, many of them profane, such as ACAB for All Cops Are Bastards, that have spread extensively online. You see it in graffiti on government buildings and statues that have been toppled by protesters. Uh, some memes that spread on social media depict police officers being shot or their vehicles burned. One post from a left-wing group cited the report by the report called for the use of lasers pointed to obstruct surveillance and to blind police and the lighting of fires at police barricades. Another post urged people to make 3D printers, uh, use 3D printers to make guns that can't be traced by authorities. Comments using anti-police slogans surged nearly 300% on Reddit, more than 1,000% on Twitter. 
during the unrest triggered by the death of George Floyd, described the growth of left-wing networks on Facebook, with such groups as Redneck Revolt and Socialist Rifle Association, boasting about fifty and 40,000 members, respectively. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, we don't know enough about it to know just how dangerous it is, and we don't know enough of, uh, to know how dangerous it can become, said the co-author of the report. Uh, Trump could have, as we've been saying for three days now, Trump could have done a better job of making the argument himself. Yes, it uh, was a, a poor, poor job. I'm not frankly. happy with the way Chris Wallace handled it, but Trump no. could have done a better job of handling himself. Yeah. Melania Trump has Look, just... Listen to this, would okay. you? Heidi Byrick, co-founder of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism, says, well, they're, they study and seek to combat far-right movements, so most of the violence lately is right-wing extremism. She states, oh, yes, sweetheart, really? Can we drill down on that point? Well, that's sort of what Chris Wallace was insinuating the other night. And Trump said, from what I can see, it's all coming from the left. And everybody like, what? No, FBI says number one threat, white supremacy. 100 nights in a row. That's not who smashed the windows where I live. How about where you live? 100 nights in a row. There's violence in Portland. And twice the Proud Boys uh, show up for a fist fight. And that's... Most of the violence is right-wing extremism. But even she has to uh, concede that uh, that doesn't mean the left aren't using social media. Uh, wow, that's just unbelievable. The Everybody feels like they're in a fight, in a war. And so nobody is willing to concede even the most reasonable and logical uh, point to the other side to find their way to some sort of agreement or peace. It's, it's, it's open war. It reminds me of uh, one of the most moving incidents in modern human history to me. Was it, I think it was Christmas Eve 1917? Um, during World War One, When, uh, on Christmas Eve, the, the German and the English troops, and I, there were French involved too, I think, came out of their trenches on Christmas Eve, sung songs together, exchanged gifts, showed each other pictures of their families, etc., and had a Christmas truce. Then, you know, roughly 24 hours a day, uh, 24 hours later, rather, they went back to killing each other. Well, it feels like in America right now, if the if the English were to come out of their trenches and, and wish the Germans Merry Christmas, the Germans would have mowed them down with machine guns. You can't extend even a moment of kindness, understanding, or concede a single point to your enemy. It's 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 nasty, especially when we're supposed to be, you know, brothers and sisters and, and fellow countrymen. Trump has the covid. So does his wife, for what that's worth. Got the latest on that coming up in a bit. His wife has made a statement. Because I don't know what the statistics are on how COVID uh, affects models. Much less supermodels. Supermodels might be immune to COVID. It's one of their powers. Because they're super. They stomp it off. They stomp it away with it. (laughs) They're angry catwalk. (laughs) Walk. We'll have the latest coming up. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty Show. Did you notice any symptoms around the debate or anything in the president's, uh, any symptoms around the president? No, I didn't, George, and, and nor with hope. Um, when I when I left on uh, Tuesday, about one o'clock, I left on Tuesday afternoon um, to head back up to New York to be part of our coverage. Um, 
hope seemed completely fine, um, and as did the president. So, no, I didn't notice any symptoms from uh, either of them or anybody else that I interacted with at the White House. So uh, the president has COVID. The chief of staff, Mark Meadows, says he has mild symptoms. Did he actually, Hanson, say that Trump has a mild fever? I don't want to pass along scurrilous rumors. Yeah. Trump was extra sweaty during the debate, I noticed. I thought it was just because he was so animated mm. in the lights. But he's, Well, that could be, too. Um, uh, but you never know. Right. And the rumor mill is going to be humming, man. It's going to have to be air-cooled and, and water-cooled and hosed off because it's just red-hot right now. You're going to hear all sorts of crap today, but we'll try to restrict our info to what we know. Uh, they're not going to tell you if he gets sick. Nope. And they shouldn't. Right. So keep that in mind. Same with Vice President Pence. National mm. security reasons. Absolutely. Oh, I didn't do that oh. national security part of the story. That's really a good, interesting nugget. In a nugget you wanted to get to? Uh, yeah, although I think perhaps more apropos. Um, oh, you want to do that letter next segment? Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe Kinda, so. Yeah, I like the sound yeah. of that. Yeah. So I don't even I'm not even aware of these E6B Mercury planes. Two Boeing E6B Mercury planes were detected flying along both coasts of the US mainland early today. Um well, well, actually was, late last one was, night. One was me, that's how I commute. Late last night, about the time that Trump announced he and Melania had the corona. The E6B is used by the government to convey instructions to the fleet of ballistic submarines the US has in waters around the world. The vessels can deploy nuclear-tipped Trident submarine-launched ballistic missiles. Well, as you know, my brother was in the subservice, and he got me one. <laughs> cool. The planes <laughs> nice are nice to know people. Yeah. These these planes are part of Operation Looking Glass, um, and are used to provide command and control of U.S. nuclear forces. As any ground-based command centers are either destroyed or inoperable, this is what you put in the air if, like, everything gets wiped out, so that you can run the U.S. defense from the air. And there's speculation that the airborne command posts were deployed as a warning to any of America's enemies after news broke of Trump's positive coronavirus. One of the tips to that is, while military planes generally turn off their transporters or their transponders in order to avoid being tracked, these two E-6Bs in the air late last night had left theirs on with the assumption being that the crews wanted to be seen. So we sent ah. two of our most badass w- weapons of war flying on the coasts with the transponders on right when Trump announced he had corona just to let China or North Korea or Russia or whoever know we're on top of this. Right. It, it was pulling back our uh, sport coat and showing our gun. Exactly. Oh, we're, we're ready and we know what you're thinking. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, obviously. You know, I shouldn't say obviously because Trump does a lot of things that aren't traditional. I assume that the Pentagon was aware before Trump, you know, just tweeted it out to the world. Yeah. I don't know specifically what the protocols are, but yeah, you absolutely are going to go from one uh, defense condition, DEFCON, to another when the president's health is threatened. Yeah. And as a- precisely how it works, I couldn't tell you, but. No, and yeah, you you would hope that the news got to um uh to the Pentagon before it got to me on my Twitter feed. As the dispatch uh, said this morning, this is a serious moment, likely the gravest health threat to a sitting US president since Reagan was shot in 81. Elections 32 days away and uh he can't be on the campaign trail, so who knows what's going to happen. A couple of notes not to get ahead of ourselves, but it's worth knowing in advance if the president's condition were to worsen and he were not able to execute the uh, the duties of the office, obviously, 
Um, the cabinet and the Veep could invoke the 25th Amendment, or the president himself could, and Mike Pence would be acting president. In the drastic event that the president's health is truly threatened, or God forbid he should pass away, could Pence be made the Republican presidential candidate? The answer to that one is absolutely yes. Under party rules, the RNC has the power to replace the presidential candidate who withdraws from the ticket after the convention. Or withdraws from, you know, Earth, obviously. Um Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's just people will wonder that. So I figured I'd go ahead and and give you that information. The most likely thing is Trump is fine, but this keeps him off the campaign trail for about half of the remaining days, which is bad news for him. There are four to five day stages that we've been talking about, and we will not get the straight scoop anymore for reasons of national security. But so uh, as the president, he's just got a mild case. Does it get worse? Does that worst case turn into a hospitalized case? Does that hospitalized case turn into a um, perhaps ventilator or life-threatening condition? We just It will move over the next 10 days to two weeks, and it's entirely possible we won't get the word, again, for, for good reason. For most people, you're fine, and it's really inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Even 74-year-old heavy guys. The vast majority of people recover. Although he's got the very best medical care with the very latest information that none of us could get. Right. Mortality rate way down, even among serious cases. Armstrong and Getty. Well, and, and of course, we also, Mika, uh, we're talking about the campaign, but also, again, it's very important for everyone that has been exposed, especially uh, when you're talking about the Supreme Court nominee, yeah. the President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Has she been exposed? Has Mitch McConnell been exposed? It sounds like they likely have. And if that's the case, uh, that's something that obviously pushes uh, any any. Uh, hearings uh, uh, back at least two weeks, at least three weeks. Mm. I talked to President Trump this morning. He said, hello. First thing asked about was the First Lady. (laughs) She's doing good. President was in good spirits. The first thing he asked me, Terry, how's the hearings going? I said, we're on track. We're going to start October the 12th, and we're going to work hard to get this wonderful, conservative, young lady, talented beyond belief, Amy Barrett on the Supreme Court. Yeah, nice try, pre-noon Joseph. (laughs) No delay for you, son. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. if ACB tested positive, that would delay it, but she's not going to, and so everything is going to go on time. ABC News was reporting, there is complete and utter panic throughout the halls of the West Wing. I doubt it. I bet there's a a high level of concern, but complete and utter panic? You mean like people are running around shrieking and... (laughs) And, and, like, heaving themselves out of windows? Yelling, yeah, like, what do we do, what do we do? Printers just shooting out paper at an alarming rate. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> you try to heave yourself out of one of those White House windows, you're going to crack your head open because they are bulletproof, and they're sure as hell you-proof. Anyway, Of course yeah. they are, but for some reason I never comprehended that, that, of course, the windows at the White House would be bulletproof. Oh, they're probably three inches thick. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're probably, like, uh, missile yeah, The founding fathers thought of everything. Oh, they did. <laughs> well, G-Dub was a little paranoid. So, yeah, the president has uh, the COVID-19, as does the first lady. Uh, The Pences seem to be okay. Um, And the president's inner circle other than, uh, what's her name? Uh, 
The cute girl with the uh, aviator shade. Hope, Hope Hicks. Yeah. Hope is on the way. Yeah, she's actually not. She's sick. She's homesick today with the COVID. Um, but she could have gotten it from the president. Yes. That, yeah, yeah, the simpletons in the news media say uh, it's uh, presumable that the president got it from Hope Hicks. What, because he tested positive six hours after she did? That's right. You, you people are not very bright. Connect the dots, I Joe. <laughs> I don't mean to be hurtful or anything, but the fact that you don't understand or the two of them could have been uh, exposed to the same third person and she just got tested Probably sooner. not the first time he got she something. She felt the symptoms sooner. Probably not the first time he got something from a hot chick. That is really inappropriate. Really amusing and inappropriate. So speaking of the COVID, a couple of things. <clears throat> our ongoing campaign to get the the leading lights of our society to fully weigh all of the aspects of the COVID and the shutdown. I've already heard a couple of people say, yeah, the president didn't like wearing masks and he's downplayed it. It's kind of ironic. Now, no, it's if somebody says we ought to open the economy, be as smart as we can be, but plunge forward. It's not ironic when they get the COVID. They knew that was the risk. They have incorporated all of the risks into what they think should happen. People still get irony wrong, despite Alanis Morissette laying it out perfectly in song form. <laughs> For instance, I'm looking at a fairly newish report. They're looking at March and April in the five eastern states that were getting hammered by the COVID. Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, and uh, Pennsylvania. During the months of March and April, diabetes deaths rose 96% above the expected number in those times. Wow. We'll explain in a second. Uh, Heart disease deaths, 89% rise, so almost doubled. Alzheimer's disease, up two-thirds beyond expected. Stroke was more than a third higher. In New York City, there was a nearly 400% increase in heart disease deaths and a three and a half times increase in diabetes deaths. In many cases, people have died because they didn't want to go to the hospital or they got there and they were put in the corner too long because in New York they were dealing with the COVID people. Uh, other deaths, uh, chronic health conditions that weren't treated, screenings not done, they get into the deaths of despair, suicide, etc. On and on and on it goes. And we received a rather moving note from one of our beloved listeners. For her privacy, I'll, I'll withhold her name. But uh, I listen to your show. I know you've talked about the subject. Let me tell you it is real. Um, COVID didn't almost kill my husband. The shutdown did. My husband is the most friendly, generous, and hardworking man I know. He built a jewelry store company 26 years ago from top to bottom, put his heart and soul into it. We've had tough times like making it through the recession and keeping our business, but we managed. Uh, Then he and his sons bought a a gym together. It was their dream to work together in a business. With the shutdown happening to our business at the end of March, both businesses were shut. Curbside sales was a ridiculous idea. You can't sell jewelry if you can't come in and look at it, and there are security issues. So that didn't help us at all. Um, Then she mentions our stores are in a mall. When the malls closed, so did we, etc. The gym basically never got to open. My husband fell into depression. It was just too much for him to take. Um, he's worked so hard to achieve what he had and to be forced to shut down on the governor's orders, nothing we could do about it was just too much. And I would point out that a lot of business people like the gent we're talking about said to whoever would listen, you know, you can't get to the governor. Of course, he's in his, his gilded palace, but 
said, look, we will do anything it takes to keep our 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 employees and our customers safe. There's never anything more anything it takes. There's never more than four people in a jewelry store at any given time anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Um, why can't the governor see that what he's doing is ruining lives and costing lives? That his cure for COVID is actually depressing people, and some are taking their own lives, in addition to all the medical stuff I was just talking about. Um, September 3rd, my husband shot himself in the head. Amazingly, he is still alive. I think he's going to make it, but he will never be the same man as we all knew him. There are a lot of complications. In his note he left, he stated the shutdown was what put him over the edge, and he just couldn't take it anymore. It was just too much. He was very depressed. Yeah, well, I can understand it being a combination of, you know, losing your business you've worked for and, you know, the finances and all that sort of stuff. And just the sense of powerlessness. And injustice. uh, And injustice. I just, I can't take this anymore. The government won't let me make a living. Right. They won't let me make a living. That is absolutely amazing. It's it's so unprecedented on this scale. And the fact that it's gone on this long. Right. And and when when you know we've heard we've complained about this for months now, but when various government officials, I forget what governor had said, "Oh, people aren't going to get their nails done for a couple of weeks. I think they'll be okay." No, you oh, freaking moron. That was so Marie Antoinette. That was oh, unforgivable. That was as bad as let them eat cake. Yep. You know what? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the results should be similar. Um, I suppose I can't say that. No, no, I'm against political violence, as I stated earlier in the show. Certainly. Um, uh, but it just it's just incredible. How do you not understand that? It's not people getting their nails done. It's somebody running a business and paying taxes and employing people. Right. And feeding their kids right. and everything freaking else. And you... Telling them they're not allowed to do that should be very, very, very carefully uh, done. That is a grave pronouncement. Oh my God! You know, uh, no pun intended. And, and to just and and to uh, th- this is just hitting today in California. Now they've changed the rules in California and whether or not you can open up on whether you meet the various equity standards. If you have too many black and brown people that are getting COVID as compared to white people, well, you need to fix that. How am I as supposed a punishment? To fix that? And how? And okay, that's a punishment to the county. I got nothing to do with that. As a guy who runs a jewelry store in a mall, I have zero to do with the fact that black and brown people are getting COVID more often. I mean, zero. I'm not sure the county has anything to do with it, but I know I got nothing to do with it. And you're not going to let me open up and make a living because of that? That's just, it's so maddening. I can see how you'd get there. And if you accept that it's the weight of history that causes that inequity, so the county has to fix the weight of history before this gent can open his store again? That's Gavin Newsom's pronouncement. And what's especially galling is when this fella and so many thousands, millions like him across the country, were saying, look, we're suffering. We're willing, again, to do anything to protect ourselves and our customers and our employees. Anything. But you have to let us feed our children, pay our bills. They responded with sarcasms like getting your nails done or saying, we're going to listen to the, the, the science. We're going to look at the data. But you didn't look at the data that showed a near doubling in deaths from heart disease, Alzheimer's, stroke, diabetes, these other things. You looked at one narrow set of data, the COVID-19, because you thought your political ass was only going to be on the line if COVID-19 struck your population particularly hard. And you could retain power. 
If you kept those numbers down, no matter how many people died of suicide, addiction, abuse, Alzheimer's, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, doesn't matter. Screw those people. Just so the COVID number is low. And listen, maybe I'm making your motive sound too diabolical. Maybe I'm out of line. Well, in that case, you're just so goddamn ignorant that you couldn't take in the totality of the threats, not just the one, everything, the circle. I just, it makes God, it makes me insane. Yeah. No, so you could see sorry how, for the GD bomb, folks. So you could see how a guy could get to that point because it is so maddening. And yeah, okay. So you're into data. Look at all the data, including suicides and depression and everything else. Yeah, it's something. Yeah. And and we're not out of it yet. I mean, it's these decisions are still being made. As I mentioned, it's gotten worse in California. There are uh, articles out today with counties saying we have no idea what we're supposed to do now. We have no idea how we're supposed to meet the goals to be able to open businesses and schools right. now. And by the way, if you run into a lot of people in your real life or politically or whatever who uh, repeat like parrots the simpleton, we're going to listen to the doctor's stuff. You can get this segment at armstrongandgetty.com. Maybe, in fact, maybe we'll even edit it up so it's nice and tight. Uh, and you can send it around if you want, if you think it would do any good. I mean, my God, I, I hope sanity is a contagious disease. And sooner or later, it spreads throughout the population. We start making measured decisions instead of these fearful, wildly oversimplified policy decisions. All right, enough said. So Trump has the COVID Latest on that coming up, Nancy... Donald Trump? Yes, Nancy Pelosi said... This is breaking news. Nancy Pelosi said she's praying for the president, although one texter pointed out we she didn't say what she's praying. She might be praying he dies. Praying at him. Good morning. <laughs> exactly. We'll have the latest. It's Sunday morning. <laughs> we have the latest coming up. Armstrong and Getty. course we also make a uh, we're talking wrong clip wrong clip well i'm not going to get into any particular treatment that he may or may not have uh, he has mild symptoms uh, as we we look at that the uh, the doctor will continue to uh, uh, provide uh, expertise uh, uh, in the residence, uh, he's he's in the residence now, uh, and uh, in in true fashion, he's probably critiquing the way that I'm answering these questions. Uh, uh, and uh, I, I can tell you that a, a number of us uh, will uh, uh, be reporting back to him on on the the task at hand. Trump has the coronavirus uh, and uh, has mild symptoms. Of course, they wouldn't tell us if he was sick, and they shouldn't. So I kind of don't really get the point of even listening to that. Or you got to take the it with a grain of hydroxychloroquine, in my opinion. Oh, I don't. I don't know why we ask the question or pay attention to the answers because it would be moronic for them to tell us if he had a high fever and he's racked with pain. Right. Uh, you don't tell us that. No so. way. Um. Woodrow Wilson got the flu in 1918. I don't think I'd ever known that. So, and got a mild version and was fine. So am I wrong to try to do the spin math that if he had light symptoms, they would say no symptoms? If he has medium symptoms, they would say light symptoms? I actually kind of thought that, too. I wonder. It's not a terrible theory. Is there any chance... It's a suspicion. 
Is there any chance, some people are claiming this is on purpose, I don't believe that, but no. any chance he gets uh, COVID, is fine, gets over it quickly, that it changes the attitude of some people in the country about COVID? Yes. Because they have such an example of, hey, there's somebody who got it and they're fine. Because yes. most of us don't know that many people that have had it. Right. Many of us don't know anybody who've had it or that many. So we're taking our how dangerous it is purely through the media. Right. And do you remember that poll that came out mm, probably three, four weeks ago that showed that people were grossly uninformed? They wildly underestimated oh, right. the danger right. to the old and wildly overestimated the dangers to the youngish. Yeah. So... Yeah, perceptions are definitely still moldable. Did you see this? Uh, this is a funny tweet. They got a picture of a um, a gym and all the bikes, stationary bikes, had been moved outside. This tweet said, the stationary bikes have been moved outside. I feel like the soul cyclers are this close to an epiphany. <laughs> That's hilarious. I get it. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a minute. What if this just moved a little bit? Bikes... Uh... <laughs> On a road. Um, Fresh air. Hmm. I'm on a bike hmm. and I'm looking at a street. Hmm. Going, <laughs> I'm going through my notes pre-COVID because as soon as the president announced he had COVID, uh, you know, everything went out the window. Turbluey. All that work I did yesterday. This is a good one. So the New York Times published an opinion piece. Hong Kong is China, like it or not. A piece making the argument that, you know, what China did is not that big a deal. And uh, Hong Kong's part <sighs> of the country, blah, blah, blah. And uh, uh, this tweet from somebody in the media, I don't know. The boss of the New York Times op-ed page was fired because he ran a controversial op-ed by a sitting U.S. senator. But a few months later, a propagandist for an authoritarian regime gets to argue that a violent put-down of peaceful protests was needed in the very same newspaper. This is just nuts. Wow. This was an opinion piece as well? Yeah. Yeah, wow. Wow, that is incredible. I mean, listen, the New York Times needs no further indictment, but that's shocking. Yeah. Man, that's that's sickening. Sheemany. Yeah. How quickly things can change. The uh, the the uh, extremist agitators in the nation's newsrooms. Folks, we're in the business. I'm telling you, it's nuts. Here's a list of people that Hope Hicks has been close to in the last week. She's the one that they're claiming Trump got the coronavirus from. She just she just tested positive first. There's no indication he got it from her. No, no. she's known for uh, office romances, isn't she? Might not, not might not have even been tested first. Just her results were known first. Right. Yeah, it could even be that. Yeah, Absolutely. Right. Or or disclosed first. In right. recent days, Hicks has been in close proximity, unmasked with uh, McEnany, the spokesman, Jared Kushner, Stephen Miller, Jason Miller. Representative Jim Jordan, Don Jr., Ivanka, and Eric, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, who is next to Trump this past weekend, and other people, dozens of senators, etc. So, oh, I'd, I'd meant to point this out earlier. The CDC's guidelines on exposure, like when do you contact trace? When do you um, tell somebody they're seriously at risk or whatever? It's being within six feet for 15 minutes. Now, granted... If you're within 12 feet for an hour and a half or the debate you're talking about, no, but maybe, um, or, you know, you're within uh, six feet for nine minutes. Well, yeah, you might have gotten it depending on how things went. Almost exactly what happened the other night. Biden was within 12 feet for 90 minutes with a guy with COVID, perhaps yelling toward him. Yeah. Just depends on the air currents. I like Trump's chances with COVID better than Biden's. I mean, I realize Trump's got the comorbidity of being overweight, but Biden just seems frail. 
He does a little bit. Of course, I'm not sure that has anything to do with it. In fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't have anything to do with it. Um, it just affects different people differently for some reason. Um, uh, what else? Oh, yeah, Trump was on Sean Hannity last night and condemned the, the KKK outright. I condemn all white supremacists. Supremists. Supremacists. There it is. Finally, a third try. Nailed it. Nailed it. Landed it. Stuck the landing hands in the air. I get your word straight, Jack. But he was on Hannity with the COVID, it would seem. Yeah. Yeah. Via, you know, some sort of connection. He wasn't there in the studio with the, the Hannitized one. Let me ask you, did, I didn't realize that Chris Christie was part of Trump's debate prep mm-hmm. until afterwards. Do you think it's weird having him be like a debate analysis on ABC when he's part of the debate prep team? He, he seemed pretty fair to me. His okay. uh, his analysis was, because uh, George Stephanopoulos said, you were pre- you were training him. Is this how you wanted to go? And he oh, said, no, this was way too hot. That was way too hot. So they were pretty open with it in their discussions. Well, yeah, not yeah. only was he even-handed, he was like over-the-top expressing his frustration with his client. <laughs> that was okay. not what we planned to do. Yeah. That was too hot. He was just too hot. <laughs> Throw that switch now, Rock! <laughs> Uh, oh, man, these are troubled times. As I said to a buddy of mine, I am not superstitious, but I will not utter the words, it can't get any crazier. No. No. I just, bad juju. That's <laughs> funny. I had that weird thought last night. S- something so big comes along, we forget all of this stuff. I don't want that to happen. What would the trend line suggest to you? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Armstrong and Getty.